Our scripture this morning comes from Mark 10, um, 13 through 16. Verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. The grass wither and the withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Thanks be to God. Hi. <laughs> um, I have uh, had long COVID since um, Halloween. I'm not contagious in any way, so, uh, but it, it comes and goes and you can hear my voice. And I was doing great until Wednesday and uh, I don't know what it what this peak and valley valley thing is, but thank you for your prayers. And if my voice gives out, then God did enough with it, right? And uh, also, um, especially considering my personality and our size, this may be more dialectic or or dialogical, uh, some give and take. So. Um, feel free to answer questions or even maybe ask some. I don't know if I'll have answers, but. Um, I came to Christ as a 15-year-old, I think the summer of 1972, at a church camp, had not uh, grown up in the church, had had some uh, going to church occasionally, maybe four times in my whole life before that time, and came home from that camp, um, transformed by Christ's power, praise God for that, I, I desperately needed it. I mean, everybody needs it, but my need was obvious. Um, anybody just looking at me could go, whoa, <laughs> you need something. But somehow, uh, intrinsically, I knew that what I needed to do next was uh, get involved and belong to a faith community. And in my neighborhood, in in Southwest Denver in Bear Valley, uh, there was a church, uh, South Sheridan Baptist Church. And when I'd go by it on the way to school or riding around with my friends, especially on Sunday, the parking lot would just be packed, people coming and going. So the first thing I thought of is, well, okay, I'll, I'll try South Sheridan Baptist Church. I, did, I didn't know anything about denominations. I didn't, I didn't know anything that um, I walked in and, uh, you know, was probably fashionably late, and uh, I had um, hair down to my shoulder blades, big lamb chop sideburns, um, all kinds of uh, hippie-like. I probably was wearing flannel, jeans with holes in the knees, uh, hiking boots, you know, that whole hippie scene back then. So I sat in the back, and I don't remember what the sermon was about or actually who was even preaching it, um, but part of my life then was recognizing how much need I had. And so when he gave an altar call, I thought, man, I'm, I'm going down. I, I need to pray. I need forgiveness. I need whatever they're, whatever they're given there at the altar. I went down, and so I 
went down. Several other people did as well. I got down on my knees and was praying. And I felt somebody touch me on my shoulder. I turned around. It was a guy in a, a dark suit with a white shirt and a dark tie, really short hair, clean cut. Man, just just an awesome, awesome church-looking person. And, and I stood up, and he said, um, do you want to receive Christ? And I said, no, you won't believe it. I was at this camp last week, and... I came to Jesus, and oh, it's the best thing ever. And he looked at me, and he said, you're not a Christian, not with hair as long as you have. I said, no, really. And, and uh, there was this um, rolling paper company, still around, called ZigZag. And they had this a picture on their rolling paper packages of, uh, I thought it was Jesus, but it wasn't. It was a long-haired, long-haired person with a beard, and and um, you know, I said, no, Jesus, Jesus had long hair. All the pictures of him, uh, you know, you can read the scripture. I've always been a little bit of an argumentative person. I, I, I never just take anybody's authority. And and he said, no, seriously, you, you have to cut your hair before you become a Christian. And I argued with him some more, and he said, seriously, I've got a pair of scissors back there. I can go back and get them, and we can cut your hair, and then you can pray to receive Christ. And I said, no, thank you, um, and, and left uh, at that moment. I, I think had that happened in today's world, you know, as we're reading about uh, uh, people really struggling with church trauma and church hurt, uh, of which I have had, I mean, if, 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 you know, if it left physical wounds and I took off my shirt, it would look like somebody lashed me. You know, we've had some tough times in, in churches, but that was the beginning of my church experience, <laughs> and, and I know there are people today that were like, I'm never going back, but, but somehow God blessed me with this ecclesiastical ignorance, and I, I, I kept looking and, and shortly found uh, a church that, and again, I didn't know anything about it, um, but they actually played rock and roll music. Um, the pastors didn't have long hair, but there were long-haired people there, and, you know, I just went and fit right in. Um, but I tell that story to introduce our, our question, uh, how do we receive the kingdom? And, and by the kingdom, what, what Jesus is talking about is not going to heaven only. It's this thing that was taken away from us by our disobedience in the garden, and that is that opportunity to, to walk and talk daily with God, our Father, our Creator. That's what the kingdom is. The kingdom is this lived-out experience now that when we pass away, we walk through this door and see Jesus as he is, not with all the questions and, and mystery we have now. And so that's what Jesus is talking about, not simply how do you get to heaven, be like a little kid, but rather, how do you encounter this living God in everyday life? It's a question that the church has wrestled with uh, for most of its existence. And, and depending on um, what period of history you're in and what's going on, uh, has come up with, with slightly different answers. But, but I think largely, South Sheridan Baptist Church 
that uh, wanted to cut my hair before I became a Christian um, exemplified what many of us believe is the answer to Jesus' question and what so many churches and institutions believe is the answer to Jesus' question. And so um, the Jewish faith uh, came up with this, this way to kind of categorize some ideas. And they all start with Bs. And, and, and so they say faith is about behaving, about believing, and um, about belonging. And if you look at scripture, that's really the, a lot of the stuff fits into those three categories. And what South Sheridan Baptist Church was doing that morning was saying, first you have to behave to enter the kingdom. Then you can believe, and, and, and then you can belong. Now, I have a hunch that I'm weird enough, and even though I'm not a hippie by look anymore, I'm still one by attitude, I have a hunch that they would have said, okay, now you behaved, now you can believe, now go find a place to belong because you don't belong here. I, I have a hunch that that's would have, what would have happened. A lot of the church operates that way. Have any of you experienced any aspect of Christianity that, that really demands a behavior first, um, and then maybe the other two Bs come along? Any, anybody experienced that? I know Brendan's my son, by the way, and, and he's probably experienced me as dad that way, and unfortunately, um, behave. Um, any uh, affirmation of that, unfortunately? I was going to say, I mean, it's not explicit, although a lot of implicit, especially if you have grown up in the church, because yeah. your parents are just trying to get you to act right. And sometimes that can convolute that distinction of behaving and believing and belonging. So it goes against the paradigm of the quote-unquote Christian worldview of the world. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it, it uh, shows itself in different uh, belief systems and denominations in different ways, but particularly if you have grown up in that part of the church that withholds baptism as adult baptism, that's really about behavior. And of course, when that theology developed in about the 16 or 1700s, that's why they developed that is because they didn't believe the way the Catholics and others were behaving was Christian, and so you had to come to them, prove your belief and your behavior, then you could belong. And we've really adopted that, um, that idea in that, that form of the church. Any other? That's an excellent insight. So it's not that the church invented this legalistic thing so much. Maybe some have. But it really, I mean, that's how we get grades from school. That's how we get raises at work. Yeah. 
I mean, so much of life is built on this behavior, then I'll accept you, or, or at least give you access to whatever it is. Very much, very much, yeah, excellent. And, and counseling's coming back to, to acceptance, right? And, and uh, um, dealing with abandonment um, by, by working on acceptance, right? <laughs> yes. So you're you're dealing with the hurt versus somebody who you know recognizes that and understands that they're not actually the opposite of the relationship. So if you're in that at risk population, you find yourself you know trying to protect someone else who who is not Yeah, yeah. So we're 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 working in that in those three Bs, we're not just talking about religious, we're really talking about life and, and that behave, believe, belong. Um, become these things that we all struggle with in, in various ways. And, and this is part of the reason that um, some, some theologians came up with the term when Jesus talks about the kingdom, it's the kingdom of the upside down. And, and generally speaking, if um, the worldview that's, that's pretty consistent says this is the way it is, you can look at, at the gospel, at Jesus' life, and see that he's saying, no, it's the opposite of that. And so in this case, when that, that behave concept is so strong in all that we do, Jesus is saying something different. Those who come into the kingdom do so as children. When I do weddings, um, uh, that, that there are children in them, I especially if the children are, are doing a, a part like uh, flower bearing or, you know, stuff like that. I always try to go to the parents and go, um, so guess what's going to happen? Your kids are going to act like kids. And that's okay. They're just going to be children because that's, that's what they are. Now, we're not necessarily talking about disobedience, right? We're just talking about, so have you ever been told to act your age as a child? And wouldn't, don't you wish now at this stage you would have gone, I am? I'm six. I'm acting like a six-year-old. What do you mean? Actually, what we're, what we're saying is act like an adult. And Jesus is saying exactly the opposite. Act like a child. And so what does it mean, again, to um, receive the kingdom as a child? So we would say the church and, and actually the world for a lot of its time has says that, have said that um, behave concept but some of us have backed off that a little bit in the church especially and we've said no believe then behave then you can belong but the the thing we don't recognize in switching those two b's around is that really we begin to treat belief as a behavior it 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 really is and and by the way if you understand what jesus brought to us and that Paul defines so well that this thing comes to us by grace, not by works, we treat behavior and belief as works. If I believe strong enough, how many times have you, I know I've done it often, I've, actually I've done it with this long COVID, I've said, 
man, if I just pray hard enough, if I just do the right stuff, Jesus will heal me. And so far, that hasn't been true ever in my life, as, as a matter of fact. Not that Jesus doesn't heal. I know he does. But that's just not been my history with, with any kind of illness. But do you see how belief then becomes a behavior as well? But when we look at um, what Jesus did in his own ministry, it's exactly the opposite. So he said to all of his followers, follow me, follow me. He didn't sit down and have a class with all of them, particularly with Peter, it appears, and say, all right, here are the right behaviors and here are the right things to believe, and then you can come and follow me. He simply said, follow me. That's a belonging statement. So there may be one or two places uh, where Jesus is teaching really about behavior, but most of the time he approaches entrance into the kingdom as a belonging first. So we would say that if these things are linear at all, and I don't really believe they are linear, I really believe they weave so much together that yes, we experience them in linear ways sometimes, but they don't really operate that way. But because we think that way, we'll say it's, it's belong, believe, become. And you can see that that's really, do you, do you see what I changed the behavior word to? Become. So Jesus says, come and follow me, Peter, and you will become a fisher of men. Um, James and John, sons of thunder, John wrote the gospel of love. They all became by belonging and believing. And I think that the reason Jesus highlights children in that is because we are born with that kingdom mindset in our hearts before behavior is taught into us. That when Jesus invited these children, some of them may have been shy and, and hold back a little bit, um, but somehow they knew who he was and they just climbed on his lap. And he didn't say, hey, kids, behave. Keep your voices down. Don't think that way. Don't do that. And, of course, if you can remember your childhood or looking at your own children, belonging is what they are natural at. They put their arms out. They want to be held by the people that they trust and they love. And so I believe the first answer to our question about um, how do we believe like children, how do we enter like children, it's that we, we accept Jesus' invitation to belong. How many times have you or um, friends of yours, family members, uh, I mean, as a pastor, it just happens over and over again. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about becoming a Christian when I get my life straight. <laughs> no, do you see this guy with his arms open wide? And, and it's interesting that, that one of the words in this passage is um, Jesus was indignant. And I think it, it's used of Jesus maybe twice or at least once more. And each time it's used, he's indignant because there's some kind of block to belonging. So he gets indignant at his own disciples because he's saying, they're saying, no, these, these kids aren't, they don't behave enough. They don't believe enough. They don't something enough. And Jesus is indignant. 
when I was um, told to cut my hair in order to belong to this kingdom, Jesus was indignant. And I want to promise you that when and if and even in the future, the, the religious institutions say to you, you need to behave first. Jesus is indignant. That is not what he wants. What he wants is for you to climb on his lap and experience his blessing and his love and his grace. And that's how we come to that place of belonging, believing. Belonging is God's design. If we, you know, theologians have struggled with the, the, the Genesis creation story forever. Um, but it's really obvious that, that whatever we name the sin, the consequence is that we don't feel like we belong any longer. There's a guard at the gate. And Jesus comes to knock that guard down. You know the story that, that um, at his death, that veil that covered the exterior of the temple and the holy ground of meeting with God was torn in two. Belonging becomes possible again because it's our design. And children fit into that so well, don't they? Into that whole belonging idea. We were created with a need for attachment. And I think that's part of what you're discovering in your, your counseling. As a matter of fact, I know many counselors that are beginning to mitigate this idea that you don't have a personal relationship with your clients. Obviously, you don't become their best friends. But, but we think now, research-wise, that this distance between doctors and patients and bosses and, and uh, underworkers is, is part of the breakdown of health and healing. And that those of us that can belong and then offer belonging to others can offer deeper attachment. Dallas Willard believes that discipleship, rather than being about um, learning a whole bunch of facts about Jesus and going to first base, second base, third base, home, all those discipleship systems, that it's really about attachment to each other and to him. And of course, as we practice communion, that's what that's about, right? Believing, if we look at these three words, belonging then is our design, believing naturally flows from a place of security and trust. Again, look at our children, look at our, our, where you have truly learned something. It has probably come from a place of attachment, of belonging to someone. And then becoming replaces behaving, as I said. The disciples who belonged and believed became who they were created to be. One of the things that's happening in Christianity is on this pushback on behavior, first, is that then they're, they're, they're saying, I am fine as I am. And, and, and those are two extremes that neither is true. Really, the truth, and this is how Jesus always did it, with a third way. He's saying, no, there's a third way. I'll invite you to belong just as you are. As you get to know me, you will come to believe who I am and even who you are, and then you will, out of that, become who I intended you to be. And that is a truly transformational movement. How do we enter the kingdom as children? We recognize secondarily 
our need to receive. So uh, Sophia um, is just so beautiful. She doesn't trust me at first when I'm around. She likes Nana a lot, a lot better. But, but eventually she'll do that, and then she'll get in my arms, and she points, and she goes, uh, uh, uh. And what that means is I want that. She's not um, ashamed of telling me what she wants and needs. And that is this kingdom relationship with our God as well, that so often we um, aren't comfortable with our need. And so we've received this invitation to be loved, and we want to pay it back. Um, how often have you either actually given a thank you card for a thank you card, or you've had the desire to do so? Do you ever notice kids? They crash the Christmas tree, they tear open their gifts, and they never think, gosh, I didn't get Nana anything. I better get Nana something. They just receive. Now, sin nature can make us then become selfish and stuff like that, but that initial response is, I'm loved. Somebody gave me something. I'm going to receive it. And we don't worry about earning it, paying it back. Again, I think that's part of what it means to be a child in the kingdom, is that we recognize his acceptance of us, our need to belong. And then when we belong, we simply receive what he has for us. Now, eventually, the becoming part of that, isn't it, is that we say, wow, I'm so loved by God that I'm going to use my voice. I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to teach and, and lead people. All of that is a response in the kingdom. It's not the key to get into the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an invitation, but I think this is where we, we see that the linear thinking of, about this comes absolutely first, this comes absolutely second, this comes absolutely third. That's not the way God works. So yes, you need to follow, but it's really response to the belonging invitation. And, that, and, and that's really what we're looking at is God's picture of this. He's not looking at any of us and going, I'm going to invite you as soon as you get it straightened out. He says, I'm going to invite you. Then things will straighten out. Do you want, do you want to dig into that gift? And sure, that's a behavior. That's a, that's a good insight. But again, we put behavior first so often in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well said, well said. Children are open and ready to receive. Um, they are not ashamed of their need to belong to someone else. They don't recognize intellectually. Sophia doesn't know that if she was left alone, she would fail to thrive and survive. But somehow she knows it, right? Because she asks for food, she asks for love, she asks for commitment. Um, 
in that way. So what, in, in closing up here, I, and, and one of the last things I, I wanna say is something that I said earlier to, to the church we were at earlier this morning, um, is when, when if, if I were to ask you, why did Jesus die for you? How would you answer that question? Any formulations of an answer? Okay. Great, great. Have you ever noticed that most of the time when people answer that question, why did Jesus die for you? Because of my sins. And that's true. If we weren't sinners, he wouldn't have had to die. But John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave. So I wonder why we don't answer more often like you just did. Why did Jesus die on the cross for you? Because he loved me. That's theologically true. It's theologically true that we needed redemption that death needed defeating. But that we focus on that answer first betrays that we really are stuck in the behavior mode. That we need our behavior changed. But God came out of love first. That was his first movement. Love. Then redemption. Then change. And of course, again, we're not talking really in that one, two, three step. This is all mixed in together. So what um, behaviors do you place before belonging? You don't need to answer that. This is kind of a, the personal aspect of this closing up. Um, mine are, are, are being liked or being accepted. Um, I, I often think of that behaviorally. If, if I don't preach well or if I don't do this or that well, that I'm not gonna be accepted. Or that um, I, I don't show an intellectual ability that, that maybe I think I should have, having gone to school and done all of that, being a pastor for so long. So before we close here in prayer, um, just take a few moments to ask yourself, what behavior do you put before belonging? And, and kind of latch onto that. Give it a name, like I did with mine. Um, uh, being nice to people, being kind, whatever it takes to be liked is, is the behavior I put before belonging. And uh, we'll, we'll um, pray about that for a moment and, and then uh, move into uh, the rest of our liturgy. Let's pray. God, whatever behavior um, you have brought to our minds and hearts that keep us from thinking we can belong to you, we put it in your hands, Lord. We place it in front of you as an offering, 
as a sacrifice. We pray, God, that we would know of your great love, that your first word to us is not change, but be loved, that we are beloved. Thank you for that message. Thank you, God, that there's no way we can earn such a great gift. But I pray that as we receive that gift, our response to it would be as beautiful as the gift. That as you pour 